views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Super, I want to super duper welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Hey, uh, thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. And yes, uh, and thank you for the feedback about the new website. Uh, we uh, honestly, for all of you out there, the reason that we have the new website is because you guys gave us a lot of recommendations. And so, puff, just like that. Uh, website's up, and uh, it's the first phase of it, let's say. I guess that's programming language. I'm not really on top of it. Phase one. Uh, but what, it's like what phase what, are we in right now? We're in the, we're at, this is our 10th year anniversary. Okay, so that'd be the 10th. Is that the silver? No. Some, what I was, is that? I want to say What's like maybe years? goldish, is it platinum. Gold? We're up there. Bronze? What is it? Ooh, we're way past bronze. Yeah, got to be way past mm-hmm. bronze. We, honey, we were past bronze on our first day. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what that we're was We're pros about. here. We, we the pros. Uh, like your shirt, Penny. Very Thank you. nice. Oh, oh my gosh. I had to dress up for We you. have to get the details out of the way. Why? Because we're talking. <laughs> we got some good talk today. Dr. Joe Dispenza joining us here today. For those of you out there, I probably have known Dr. Joe Dispenza for as long, very close. Uh, he was actually, how should I say this? He was one of the first people to say yes to coming on the Dr. Pat show, even before we were the Dr. Pat right. show. Right, busting. Yeah. It's like, That's what exactly is that what... show? What is that show you're booking <laughs> me on? What? what? Who crust busts busting? crust? What, what is uh, that? Uh, uh, yeah. And there he was. Bam, he showed up. And, you know, it's really kind of cool because we got to promote What the Bleep and got to have that conversation with, uh, you know, Joe and others back then. Um, and people really just thought, wait a minute, what is this thing? Positive talk? Who the heck is doing that anyway? And by the way, 10 years, you'll be lucky if you last 10 minutes in that world. Well, you know what? That is not the truth. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the truth today. I am so thrilled. I love Dr. Joe's new book. I love the book. Dr. Joe Dispenza, for many of you may or may not know who he is. Let me tell you, beyond being a best-selling author, he is someone in my opinion, that has said yes to a life, a calling that is so important in the times we live in. I know it's been so important for me in my own healing journey, having had conversations with him, read all of his books. Um, I have the the Evolve Your Brain book. (laughs) I hang out with that book. Um, But today I get to talk with you about you are the placebo. And why is this important today? Making your mind matter. Why is this important today? Because if you've been like me and you've lived my life or something like it, your own life, how many times have you listened to other people, places, and put put so much emphasis on other, other than you? 
and have shown up in life and have been absolutely miserable, conflicted, and thought, I'm down and out in L.A. Oh, if you're not in L.A., you're in New York. Well, you could be in Montana. It doesn't matter. But you, the point is, you looked at your life and you said, is that all there is? This is one of my favorite of, of Dr. Joe's books, one of my favorite. I've read them all. I use some of them. I love the pictures. Um, and, you know, Dr. Dispenza and I go back to New Jersey. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. What does placebo mean? How does it show up in our thoughts? How much do we buy into? And by the way, how limiting do we make our lives? Well, we're going to hear about that and how to flip that around. Welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I'm very happy to be with you again. Yeah. I could have spent like the entire day day talking about you and introducing you. but <laughs> And I, I should do the what they do. This man needs no introduction. Oh. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, you were one of the first people to say yes to a show that was called Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life. You know, my theory is simple. And I, I go where I'm invited. And when they stop inviting me, I know it's time to roll it up and do something else. So, okay, good. So if you, I'm mission-driven. You know, I really have an interest in helping people and really making a difference in their lives. And, you know, there was such a strong interest after What the Bleep. You know, how do we yeah. do this? How, why is it so hard to change? Yeah. How, do I, how do I create the life that I want? And I didn't, I didn't really do many shows in Seattle. So, um, you know, you're in my backyard. I live outside of Olympia. And the opportunity to come to a Seattle station to meet you and, and hopefully contribute in some way was, uh, was an easy choice for me. It was a huge contribution. And I'm, uh, I'm very, very, very grateful. But I've been able to also have numerous conversations, see you in person, see the books, see the evolution of us, the evolution of you, the evolution of me, and then the evolution of us. And this book in particular, um, I knew you were writing this. You mentioned to me you were writing this. So mm -hmm. I was like, when, when is it done? Is it done? Is it done? <laughs> um, but I had no idea that it would be as life-changing as it turned out to be. I would love for you to talk a little bit about the book and what, what the journey was like for you to write this book, mm -hmm. how you might have questioned yourself or questioned others. Did you have fear show up at all uh, here, Dr. Joe? Uh, you know, in this particular book, I think after you've written two books, you're on your third book, I think you pretty much relax into yourself. And your first book you write, you write to your greatest critic. You know, you want to make sure that you are crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's and that your references are all clear. Your second book is a little bit more relaxed, a little more philosophical. By the time you write your third book, you're no longer concerned about trying to change people's minds whose minds are unchangeable, but to actually reach the people that are interested in this work. So yeah. I wrote this book because uh, there was a need for it, and, and I started discovering some really important things, and, and I wanted to demystify and simplify the placebo response to such a degree that a person doesn't have to put their faith, belief, or acceptance into a sugar pill or a saline injection or some sham surgery. That, in fact, if they understood the science and the mechanics of how the placebo worked, we could then begin to eliminate the very external thing that they actually believed in because what they were believing in is the thought of being better. Right. So once they understood that it's the thought, instead of putting your faith and belief in something external to you, could you believe in yourself and you can, can you believe in the infinite field of possibilities that the quantum field offers and then teach people how to do it? And if you can teach people the hows, and you can begin to demystify it in a certain way, then they have within their reach some uh, a greater level of empowerment to begin to execute it in their life. So, 
you know, when we started doing workshops after the movie What the Bleep, um, based on a need, just like your website, people were saying, well, we were doing bleep conferences, and the most common question was, how do you do this? How do you create the life you want? Why is it so hard to change? How do I make a difference in the world? And so we started teaching workshops, and for the first year or so, we saw some minor changes, nothing really significant. But then after we started teaching more progressive workshops and people were more interested in it, and they were actually developing the skill of how to get beyond their analytical mind and begin to reprogram their subconscious, we started seeing great emails. And the first line of every email is always the same. You're not going to believe this. So that means then that they're actually shocked by their own sense of self, their own empowerment. And uh, so we kept teaching more and more progressive workshops, and then all of a sudden... Uh, in Seattle at one event, we had a woman that walked in, actually came in in a, in a motorized wheelchair with MS and walked out without one. And so uh, we saw another person with MS oh, two months later, you know, have uh, a leg that was paralyzed, uh, really begin to change significantly. We saw people healing themselves of all different conditions right during our events. Now, what that means from a neuroscientific and biological standpoint is that they were beginning to change their mind And they were beginning to signal new genes in new ways right during our event. And their body, as their unconscious mind, began to change right in real time. So that caused me to ask the fundamental question. If it's happening in real time, we should be able to measure it. We should be able to peer inside people's brains during their own internal processes and contemplative practices and see if we can see what's going on. So we started measuring people. We started doing brain scans in our advanced workshops. We've done over 550 brain scans, and we've measured people when they come to the event before they start four or five days of intense inner work, and we measured their brains after. We measured their brains actually during a meditation in real time. We measured their heart coherence. With, we partner with HeartMath Institute. We yeah. measured their, the energy in the room. People say, oh, the energy in the room was so great. Well, I wanted to measure that. And we brought in a Russian researcher from uh, 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 St. Petersburg, uh, University of Russia. St. Petersburg, he's a deputy director of the Department of Physics there. And I said, let's measure the energy. Let's measure the energy around people's bodies. Let's measure the energy centers. And just recently... We started measuring urine and saliva, measuring epigenetic changes to see if uh, oxytocin levels go up when a person is opening their heart. We wanted to see if cortisol levels go down during four days of meditation, if DHEA levels go up, because we're the scientific experiments. And so it turns out that we've always been the placebo, that we have been conditioned into believing that something outside of us is going to be more valuable than what we have inside of us. And so when you give people the opportunity to retreat from their life for a period of time, to remove the constant stimulation that reminds them of who they think they are, to no longer see the same people, go to the same places, do the exact thing at the exact same time. That all reaffirms the same identity. Long enough for them to learn vital information, information that is based on the quantum model of reality, the new science of neuroplasticity and epigenetics, and they understand about stress hormones and what it does. If you give people a model that they can understand, we call that information, and if they can really uh, 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 embrace that information to the degree that they could talk about it, that means that they're wiring it in their brain. If you can give them some instruction on how to apply that information, if they get their behaviors to match their intentions, they should have some type of transformation, some type of change. And if we could measure that transformation and interpret it, it's more information to teach transformation. And so that began my journey, and I started to realize that 
gosh darn it, if you give someone a sugar pill and they accept, believe, and surrender, that that is some type of very powerful uh, antidote to their condition, a certain percentage of those people will begin to respond as if they took the actual drug. Now, what does that mean? It means that the moment they embraced the thought and selected a new possibility in the quantum field and emotionally embraced with enthusiasm or excitement what it would be like, they changed their state of being and they began to program their own autonomic nervous system and their body as the unconscious mind began to make the exact pharmacy of chemicals that matched the chemical that they were uh, believing that they were taking. So we have within us all those resources, being able to tap into it and teach people how to do it begins to close the gap. I love this because, you know, um, and I said this before, I was so excited about, you know, the, the fact that you were writing this book in a lot of ways because, you know, my own healing journey, and I've shared this before on air with you, um, my own healing journey was doing just that, you know, was picking up pieces of things that, uh, that I've learned because I didn't come into this radio program, you know, with an understanding or even a knowledge of some of the things that I've gotten to talk about. You know, I dialed the wrong phone number. That's how my first hour began. Mm -hmm. I didn't hang up. It wasn't a wrong phone number, but I didn't hang up because I knew something about that. I knew mm -hmm. not to hang up. And within 10 minutes, I pulled out a credit card and I bought my first hour. Um, but what, I am, what I've learned and what you're speaking about, so many people really need to hear we're spending more money on drugs than we've ever spent before. Uh, some of them have been proved to be harmful. Some of them have been proved not to work. Um, and it's as if we've given our will and our power over to multiple entities in an outer world. Mm -hmm. And we've forgotten the power of the invisible that we have within us. Well, you know, th this is the beauty behind it all. I think that we're in a time in history right now where information is so readily available. I mean... You know, knowledge is power, but knowledge about yourself is self-empowerment. And, you know, we reach a point in our life where we come to such a lower denominator. We have to be knocked to our knees where all of a sudden we start questioning what we believe because the moment we don't feel like ourselves, we can see ourselves. We're no longer being that person. We're being somebody else, and we can look at ourselves and see clearly, do I want to keep thinking this way? Do I want to keep acting this way? Do I want to keep choosing this way? Do I want to keep creating the same experiences? Do I want to live by the same emotions that keep me defined by my past? And when we begin to weigh our old beliefs against a new paradigm, I call that the dark night of the soul mm. because you look around to see if anybody else is doing that and you realize no one else is doing it. You're by yourself and then you begin to realize that you have all the answers within you. Now, this is a this is a, an unnerving moment because even... Uh, and, and, and I love the idea because whether it's you or someone that I've studied that had a spontaneous remission or someone in our workshop that has crossed the river of change and made some type of fundamental change in their brain and body and they are healed of their condition, which was genetic, they went through the same exact process. And I'm a student of human behavior. I want to be able to look at what you did. I want to understand it. Then I want to find the science to show that it's possible and then teach people how to replicate the process because anything that's repeatable is scientific. So it's a time in history right now because yeah. information is so available. 25 years ago, you went to the doctor and she said, hey, you need this organ taken out or you need this procedure. 25 years ago, everybody signed on the dotted line and said, okay, I'll do an informed consent too because if my gallbladder is bad, please take that out and if you can want to resection my colon, do that too. And everybody gave their power away to the paternalistic view of medicine. Now, I love medicine. I think it's great for acute care. 
I break my arm, you break your leg, you have some type of wound, you go for acute care. Now, chronic care, on the other hand, gets to be challenging because chronic care doesn't deal with just changing people's chemistry. What you're looking at is you're looking at lifestyle, looking at behaviors and choices. And there's an awakening going on in the world right now, Pat, because people really are informed. In an age of information, ignorance is a choice. People are beginning to wake up and say, oh, oh, wait a second, I'm diagnosed with this condition. Okay, wait, wait, before I agree to this, I'm going to go home and I'm going to research everything that I possibly can. Now, 10 years ago, when I wanted to learn something about the cerebellum, I had to drive up to the University of Washington Library, go into the card catalog, pull out all the pages, right, find, the, right, find exactly. the references, and then carry a cart into a private room with books that were, you know, four feet high and sit there and flip through pages. We have within our reach the resources to be able to learn anything about anything. And if that person then who's diagnosed with a condition studies alternative therapies, looks at what other people did, begin to piece together their model, understand how they may have created the condition, start looking at their emotions and their reactions, start looking at the choices mm -hmm. they're making, and they start to become conscious of their unconscious self, they just stepped into the river of change. Now... The beauty behind all of this is that the moment you begin to understand how you created the condition, there's a possibility that you can uncreate it. And that's how powerful we are. So then we go back to the doctor and we say, hey, well, gosh, you know, there's this new therapy or there's this new treatment or I want to try this. And the doctor may say, I don't know anything about that or I don't believe in that. And now people are finally saying, time to find a new doctor. What they're saying is, I want to find somebody who's going to support me in my beliefs. Now, that causes the model to begin to collapse. The medical yeah. model is changing now, and there's a strong intellectual division going on. And because of that, people really want to know the truth. And so I'm not a person that's going to say, look, deny that you have cancer, deny that you have MS. What I'm going to say is take the necessary measures and get the, and get the proper tests so you know where you are. Go through a treatment protocol, and if you're able to turn that battleship around, and we can measure those changes within three months, keep doing what you're doing. If it doesn't change, you've got to change something up, and you may have to add or uh, include new therapies or new treatments or new drugs or whatever. But that's science. Yeah. And so I think that this is a great time in history because it's a time where people want to know the truth. And because of that, they're not so quick to make the decision of, uh, uh, of just going with the conventional route. I like the, what you said. The other thing also that I want to mention, too, is we live in an age now where it's not just that you're not getting any better. You're actually getting worse. Mm -hmm. you're, you're getting worse. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're you move from chronic to super chronic. <laughs> actually, what was the term I heard? The epichronic, some kind of new term now for beyond chronic. I thought chronic was a word in itself, <laughs> but now there's like this new super term for it. That if you if you got a chronic thing, but now you're getting worse, it's like the super chronic. It's like the X factor. It's like X chronic. And I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. Well, it's going to come down to that because when people re reach for that desperate point uh, and they they seem unhelpable, you got to rename that to some degree. <laughs> I guess you do. And and no pharmacy, a lot of pharmaceuticals will may take uh, leave some of the symptoms. But again, if you're looking at the person's lifestyle now. The moment a person wants to change, the moment they want to truly change something about themselves, they are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my definition of a genius, being uncomfortable and being okay with it. Well, now, yeah. there we go. <laughs> that is, th thank you. Thank you. For the past 10 years since I started this, most of my days are uncomfortable. 
but they're not discomfort. I mean, I think there's a difference. Uh, it's interesting we're talking about this because your book, for those of you just tuning in, Dr. Joe Dispenza joining me here today. We're going to take one break during the show here in a minute. But I, I want to tell you that the book is the book is not out yet, right? But it can be pre-ordered, can it? Yes, it's 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 release date is April 29th, but they're they're Amazon's doing quite a bit of pre-ordering now. Pre pre-ordered this book. That's all I want to say. You are the placebo making your mind matter. One of the things I was really struck by, and you see I I made I did one pictures <laughs> from the book. Uh because I I am visual and I do read. Um but the thing that I really wanted to, to to talk about that you talk so beautifully in the book is this battle of genetics for a moment. Um, and, and I want to talk about it at multiple levels. It's not just whether your mom, your mom or your aunt or your somebody had it, but even the emotional side of that. My, my mom killed herself when I was seven years old. Suicide, drug addiction, uh, alcoholic. Why? Not because she was on the street. She was unhappy with her life. Mm. You know, the woman was born way far ahead of her time, wanted to be independent, wanted to be out in the world. And back in the day, as Benny would say, back in the day, what you had to do is you had to sedate the women. Mm-hmm. All right. You understand that now. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that back in the day because you try to sedate some of these some of the women <laughs> I know that is not going to be a place you want to go. But we have this idea of genetics. So my yeah. life was about, oh, my God, you got that gene. Mm. That she got the gene. Buried my sister um, in 1991, completely addict. Last year, buried two other sisters, uh, both with history of drug addiction and so forth. Um, But here's what I've come to know. Uh, You get to choose. You get to choose something. But for me, genetics is complicated because it isn't it isn't necessarily I got blue eyes and. Actually, I got brown eyes, but my mom had blue eyes, so we're related like that. There is an emotional layer that doesn't get talked about. Sure. And it I'm, doesn't get talked about when we talk about medication either, or very much. Well, from a from a social norm standpoint, I think many of us have been conditioned and misinformed about genes. I mean, genes do not create disease. Less than 5% of the people on the planet are born with genetic conditions like type 1 diabetes or Tay-Sachs disease or any any condition, sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other 95%, those conditions are actually created from lifestyle, from choices. And so uh, a new field is emerging called epigenetics, which really yeah. says that the signal outside of the cell is what activates the gene and turns mm-hmm. it on. And, you know, genes are like Christmas lights. Some are turning on and some are right. turning off all the time. <laughs> now, here's the important point. Yep. We think sixty to seventy thousand thoughts in one day. Mm-hmm. Out of those sixty to seventy thousand thoughts, we think in one day. Ninety percent of those thoughts are the same thoughts as the day day before. So the same thoughts will always lead to the same choices. The same choices will lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors will create the same experiences, and the same experiences will produce the same emotions. And it's those same emotions that drive our same thoughts. Now, that's an identity. That's a personality. And your biology, your neurocircuitry, mm-hmm. your hormonal expression, your, your neurotransmitters, even your genetics will be equal to how you think and how you act and how you feel. So if you're going to heal yourself by thought alone, which is the model of the placebo, you tell me if you're thinking the same thoughts every single day, how anything new could happen in your life. 
So then new thoughts should lead to new choices, new choices should lead to new behaviors, new behaviors should create new experiences, and new experiences should create new emotions, and they should inspire new thoughts. So once people begin to realize that it's not their genes that determine the disease, that they are their own, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, bioengineer, mm-hmm. their own genetic engineer, mm-hmm. and you can understand on, on a very basic level that if you're feeling the same emotions every single day, you're sending the same information to the cell. It means nothing new is happening in your life. New experiences create new emotions, and it is the chemical signal from the environment, from your interpretation of that experience, that begins to activate what we call upregulate new genes in new ways and downregulate old genes in old ways. You can take a group of people that are stressed out executives, and you can teach them how to relax, and you can teach them how to meditate for six weeks. Yes. And at the end of six weeks, they will regulate 1,561 new genes, over 870 genes to upregulate their immune system and immune function and downregulate all those genes that have to do with inflammation and tumor mm-hmm. formation. Wow. So wow. that's just by doing something differently, thinking something differently, and feeling something differently. So... When people begin to embrace that, I don't, I don't know that people really get it on a gut level because we're so conditioned like, oh, my God, there's a gene for Alzheimer's and there's a gene for alcoholism. That's not how it is. And when people begin to accept, believe, and surrender to that thought as if it's true, they're programming their autonomic nervous system, and now they just took the voodoo curse. They just swallowed that pill. Somebody asked me the other day in an interview, and actually, I, I didn't know it was a rhetorical question. I thought they were actually asking me a question, so I thought, this is cool, right? So they said to me, why do you think we only use, I forget that, I think he said 10.456% of our brain. So Mm. I thought he was actually asking me that question, but it was like a little rhetorical thing uh, because I was talking about all these brain movies coming out. I said, oh, I know why. And I said, well, it's because we only use 10% because the rest of the brain, the 90% of the brain is waiting for us to stop looking outside. That's what it's waiting for. So it's only giving us 10% because that's really all we need when we put our focus on the outside and not on the inside. It's a sensory-based reality. So there's a reality beyond the senses. And when you start opening up that paradigm, I mean... I don't even know if that was a true answer. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I don't really have any scientific evidence. But, you know, but what you're saying kind of supports that. You know, I I don't know that we're going to measure brain, you know, mass... But what you're really saying is we're actually now have an opportunity to do more than what we physically believed was possible for ourselves, physically, mentally, emotionally. We now have that opportunity to do that. And the other thing I hear you saying, Dr. Joe, and we'll talk about this when we come back from break, is you don't have to go on a mountain, climb up the mountain, or like me, go in the desert for two weeks without food. You don't, you don't have to, although I did really feel that helped me. But there are some things we can do. We Absolutely. can do some of these things. This is a time in history, Pat, where it's not enough to know. This is a time in history to know how. And people around the world yeah, yeah. are no longer just wanting the philosophical New Age information. They want the practical application. And the practicum now is where, mm-hmm. I, where my interest is. I, I really am not interested in keynote presentations and you know conferences that much. I want to be with the people that want to do it. I do too. The people that want to do it are getting off the bleachers and getting, into the, getting on the field. And those are the ones that are willing to risk it all for something greater. And that's when the miraculous happens. It never happens happens in the conventional known. It has to happen outside of the the known, in the 
the unknown, and that's where possibility takes place. You know, I love what people say you can't do. We're going to talk about this when we come back and talk about some of the studies you've done. I, I remember sitting in front of a couple of doctors, and we were talking about this thing that, w- that they believe was floating around in my body, the little spirochete thing. And I said, well, that's easy. If you tell me that's, you know, uh, let me see if that I believe that that's true. And I said, oh, I can handle that. And they said to me, what? what? You know, you can handle that, but you can't handle that because nobody is curing it. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. I said, I have a laser gun in my mind and I'm just going to zap them. Uh, Let's take a short break. (laughs) Can't wait to hear what you think about that. I don't know. Work for me. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with the show. Dr. Joe Dispenza joining us here today. When we come back, we'll give you lots of information about him, uh, how you can get a copy of You Are the Placebo, Making Your Mind Matter. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the real game game changers. What are some of the studies that, that are out there that Dr. Joe is doing? And then also attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions. Probably one of the most important things that I learned in a nine-year graduate program. It, it just really important. What did we learn, though, that doesn't really apply to healing oneself? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. Get sophisticated with David and Philip Zarza. David and Philip touch on topics such as human potential, spirituality, pop culture, and purposeful living. Experience an insightful reading from David on what the universe has in store for you. Or reconnect with a departed loved one. Philip can look into an issue or anything else you may be dealing with. Go to GetSophisticated.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com. Or call 206-420-8660. Tune in to Angels and Answers with Artie Hoffman, the hottest psychic with the warmest heart, every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio. With passion and a sense of humor, he delivers spiritual and motivational messages for both individuals and groups of people and is internationally known for his amazing psychic abilities. Don't forget to call in at 800-930-2819 for live on-air readings and visit Artie at ArtieHoffman.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Stephan each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Where do you desire to go in your life? Are you only looking outside yourself for the answers? What if you use your soul's wisdom to lead the way? So what is the soul and how do you access its wisdom? Soul Suitcase with Victoria Cohen will unpack these questions and help you tap into and trust your own inner voice to solve everyday problems. Our Soul Suitcase is a treasure chest of wisdom inside us waiting to be discovered. Listen to Soul Suitcase while Victoria Cohen takes everyday situations like job loss, relationship struggles, parenting challenges, work stress, and health concerns and shows you how awakening to your inner voice helps you make more conscious choices where your life flows more smoothly with greater clarity purpose, grace, and ease. As a psychotherapist and soul coach, Victoria has inspired thousands of clients over the past 31 years to listen to their inner wisdom and let it guide them on their true path. 
You can learn this too on Soul Suitcase with Victoria Cohen. Your soul suitcase is packed. Are you ready to start your journey? What's getting your attention as physical pain or illness? Have doctors been unable to help? Consider an intuitive healing session with Christy Borst. Amazing things happen every day, sometimes with jolting awareness, and sometimes with subtle shifts aided with Christy's divine healing gift. Release that which no longer serves you. For more information and to contact Christy, visit HealingResonance.us. That's HealingResonance.us. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. You are the placebo. Uh, Making Your Mind Matter. I love this book. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is joining me here today. And uh, I, we, I want to make sure that everybody out there has information about how to find out more about Dr. Joe and how to find out more about the book. For the book, you could go to youarethetheplacebo.com or you could go to drjoedispenza.com. Um, either way, the book is available for pre-order now, um, and you'll be able to find out how to do that. Amazon, you know, is, <laughs> I don't know, I, I just like go to Amazon for everything. I don't know how that even happened, but uh, definitely you can go there to do that. You could also go to the website, youaretheplacebo.com. And right now, uh, Benny, I think we, I think it's good we give away, uh, uh, Joe, we give away a copy, an autographed copy of the book to one of our listeners. What do you think? Absolutely. Be happy to do that. Let's do it to the first caller. We actually have two things to give away, but we're going to do them one at a time. Um, the first caller, we'd love to give a copy of the book away. We have a toll-free number right here, 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. And for those of you out there that would like to ask a question for the show, come on, you know, get it on. Let's uh, let's get the questions on here. I have so many. It's <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, and then uh, once the book uh, is given away, we have something special for all of you out there. But it is available on pre-order, and that's kind of cool. And then once you get the book, you're going to get a bunch of free downloads, too. And so that's really the cool thing. You're not just getting the book. You're getting the book and you're getting tap it. You're going to be able to tap into other tools and opportunities. And that's actually what has worked for me in my life. Um, being open to something new, a new thought. You know, what if you stopped thinking you weren't poor? What if you started to think you were rich? You know, what if you, what if you stopped thinking that you were unlovable? But what if you started to think you're the hottest thing, whoa, on Match.com, all the dot-coms out in the street, but you are attracting the people you want? What if you actually got rid of that old thing? And there's this little model I like now. This, I'm going to get this framed. I need this in color, though. Um, this, this model uh, Dr. Joe has in the book, which I love, and he talks about it. He calls it new reality. And one of the things that you'll also find in the book is a lot of information that has to do with research and studies. And I love that you do this. I love that you do this. You know, I remember being in my program and my um, going back to school. I went back to school um, and I and I remember bringing my thesis up that I wanted to study. And I said, I want to study broken promises. I want to study the effect they have on mind, body and spirit. And nobody wanted me. Everybody said, you can't. That's ridiculous. 
That's like a ridiculous thing to even study. Promises get broken all the time. People just have to get used to it. And so I remember the argument about that. And then I find, as I read your book, I'm arguing with myself about things. You know, what if I really believe this, Joe? Mm. I mean, what if I really believe that I am the placebo? How will my life change? Well, I hope that you ask that question because people who do ask that question should not be able to go back to their life in the same way. Hallelujah. And my message is, why wait for the crisis or tragedy or diagnosis when your back's against the wall that you now have to change? I mean, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity to learn and change in a state of inspiration and joy instead of pain and suffering. And so giving people the tools, you know, whether they want to create some type of physiological change in their body but at the same time, maybe create the life that they want. It's the same exact principles, Pat, and, and it's just it just is how far you want to take belief. I think I think I'm at a part in my life right now, and I've never felt stronger about this than I do today. Only because I think of what I've experienced as I've gotten to look back in gratitude at my life. Hmm. You know, I look back at the the you know that story I shared about my mom, but I look back now in deep gratitude and appreciation for who this woman was. I also look back and know that I don't have to choose suicide. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be for me. But what I don't know and what I'm a student of is what you've put in this book. Mm-hmm. I really don't claim to be an expert on this, but I want to know more. Sure. I want to understand how what you've been able to do to help other people, how I might learn that. Mm-hmm. Well, me for me, again, it was really studying people like yourself and others that were diagnosed with conditions interviewing them, finding out what type of um, internal changes that they made, finding the consistencies, and then after finding those consistencies, then being able to find the science to support what they did, and then ask the question, well, if this is what they did, can we teach it, and can we reproduce the same effects? And um, the beauty behind that is I'm happy to say that um, we've actually pushed the envelope of, you know, when you look at double-blind and triple-blind placebo studies and you see people heal themselves of pain or some type of um, different conditions that are with depression that are within the realm of uh, what's acceptable, um, we've had students in our work heal themselves of cancer. We've had them heal themselves with diabetes, mm-hmm. of Hashimoto syndrome, rare genetic disorders that science had no solution for, uh, all kinds of MS, lupus. We've seen so many different changes with people. And they uh, they crossed that river of change, and they did it without anything external from them. So once you begin to understand the how and you understand that, for example, you take the idea of gratitude. When you We found in our work that when you marry a clear intention, and, and cl- intention is a mindful process. It's, it's getting a clear vision of what you want. And you marry that clear intention with an elevated emotion like gratitude. It is those two elements that change your state of being because thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body and how you think and how you feel creates a state of being. So most people wait for their healing to take place to feel whole. Most people wait for their new relationship to show up so they can feel love. They wait for uh, um, uh, success to feel empowered, to to feel, uh, uh, they wait for uh, their wealth to feel abundant. You know, they wait for the mystical moment to feel awe. Oh, that's the old model of reality. The new model of reality is you have to teach your body emotionally 
what it's going to feel like before the event has occurred so that your body as the unconscious mind begins to believe it's in that future reality in the present moment and you're actually signaling new genes and new ways ahead of the actual event. Now, it may not happen once, it may not happen twice, but it's a conditioning process and the placebo works based on conditioning. And so if you're conditioning your body into a new future mm -hmm. instead of the emotions of the past, then you're literally changing your state of being. And it's a clear intention and elevated emotion that begins to reprogram the brain and body. And we've seen it over and over again. I love this. You know, here's what I'm drawn. I, I have to tell you, this is kind of funny. I'm drawn, I'm drawn to a, a, a phase my, one of my friends went through in that big fat Greek movie. My big fat Greek movie. Wedding. At yeah. Wedding. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and in the movie, uh, there is a scene where the father walks around with a bottle of Windex, the entire movie, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's this one scene where she develops a, you know, a breakout on her face, right? And, and the guy doesn't. And long story short, the bottom line is, he used the Windex, she didn't. Windex sales hit the roof <laughs> with people spraying Windex on their face. Right. Now, I don't know if that actually takes care of a whole range of things, <laughs> but people believed it did mm -hmm. and demonstrated results of that. I mean, you know, if the Facebook thing would have been around about the, the, thing, the Windex now, and I think that's one example. I grew up with a grandmother who put olive oil and garlic on everything. Did you have a headache? Olive and garlic oil on your head. Uh, did you cut yourself? Olive and garlic oil. And so I, I didn't have to buy medication until somebody said to me, oh, my God, you're putting olive and gar garlic on you. Are you ridiculous? Because I grew up believing that if you eat it and you put it on something, all the aches and pains go away. And mm -hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. And then, well, let's let's bring it to current day reality right now. If you look at double blind and triple blind placebo studies with people with depression, mm -hmm. uh, and you, there's been so many case histories. As a matter of fact, three out of four people that are given a placebo and told they're giving an antidepressant actually get better from the placebo. Now, why is that? Because they're given a false substance, and they begin to accept, believe, and surrender that that particular drug is going to make them better. So the moment they begin to, in their mind, in, in, uh, embrace the idea that they could get better and they begin to change their emotional state, in a very short amount of time, they're beginning to condition their body to a new mind. Mm -hmm. And if it's done enough times, in other words, they have to show up every week to the doctor's office, they have to fill out the paperwork, they have to get their brain scanned, they have to talk to the doctor, they have to fill out all the questionnaires. They're taking the placebo every day to remind themselves that they're well. So do you need the sugar pill or can you move into that state of being without it? Now, when they did the studies in certain studies and they looked at the brain scans of these people, it wasn't just in their minds. The changes were actually in their brains. Mm -hmm. In other words, the thought that they were better began to reprogram the circuitry in their brain and the executive function in their frontal lobe improved, the other areas that were vigilant slowed down, and the people actually were shocked to find out that they were not taking the actual drug that they were taking the placebo. They were more surprised than anybody. So that's how powerful we actually are. I, you know, and this is really why I love your book and I love what you're, what you're saying. You know, and uh, this is really something for those of you out there um, we have something special also to give away to the, the next first caller that calls in. 
you know, this is a free download. All we'll need is your email address in order for you to receive it. Tell folks a little bit about the download, if you could, if we could. Sure. Um, one of the most common things that people ask us is, can you give us an introductory course? And we're so busy right now in traveling around the world and doing some of the workshops that we're doing that I don't teach the entry-level course any longer because we're teaching progressive workshops in Holland or in Germany or, you know, in Buenos Aires or in the United States. We're going, we're traveling around a lot, and there's just not enough time for us to do the introductory workshop. So we created a seven-hour, seven-and-a-half-hour introductory course that they can download online. It's got all pictures of neurons connecting and disconnecting. It's got actual footage of how the brain works when it's working properly. There's a lot of content about the quantum model. And it's a good introductory level for people to begin to embrace the information, understand the scientific model of transformation in a simple and easy way. And they get to watch it for 30 days and really, um, uh, and there's a meditation that comes with it that they can practice. That's the foundation of our work. Well, uh, Taylor's actually picking up the phone, so uh, we'll make sure, just make sure you provide Taylor with that information, your email. That's a great course. I want to take that course myself. Um, you know, one of the things that I know we've got a few minutes left here, um, and for those of you out there, if you if you missed the part about how you can pre-order the book, you can go to Amazon, pre-order it. Um, wherever you get the book from, once the book, you know, once you order it, you will have access to some amazing free downloads, which I love. They're gifts. It's actually the idea and the energy of paying it forward. So when people show up and they want to pay forward some additional tools, um, I think it, it, I think it's one of the best approaches to providing knowledge for people that we've created. So it's beautiful. Thank you so much for doing that. Happy to contribute. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about. Many, many of us are, are, have gone down the path with the disbelievers until we believe. Uh, and then if we believe mo- once, how do we get to continue to believe? And, you know, what is that, that comment? Show me I'm from, I want to say I'm from Montana, but it's not. It's I'm from Missouri. But J- Jessica would say you could say Montana. Um, but it's this idea of try it, right? Mm-hmm. See what happens. Um. As opposed to, I don't believe it, I'm not going to try it. You know, it's never worked for me. It didn't work for my mother. It didn't work for my father. It just doesn't work. So there's this fine line between, you know, understanding what we're talking about today and actually mm-hmm. wanting to do it and sure. wanting to try well, it. Well, belief is like pregnancy. Either you are or you're not. I mean, there's no middle path with a belief. It's a fundamental state of being. Now, let's talk about the anatomy of a belief. Okay. Our thoughts and our feelings, Pat, come from our memories. Our brain is a record. It's an artifact of the past. And the emotions that we're familiar with are residues from past experiences. So how you think and how you feel creates a state of being. Now, if you string a series of thoughts connected to a series of feelings, that's called an attitude. So... If you have a series of good thoughts that are connected to a series of good feelings, you say, I have a pretty good attitude today. If you have a series of negative thoughts that are connected to some pretty bad feelings, you say, I have a pretty bad attitude. So we could say that an attitude is a shortened state of being. Now, if you string an attitude, an attitude, an attitude together, and you keep the same attitudes going for an extended period of time, that's called a belief. Now, a belief is just a thought you keep thinking over and over again, over and over again, until you hardwired in your brain. You're activating the same circuitry, creating the same experiences, and the same emotions then condition the body into that belief. So the very boundaries of our beliefs are how we feel. And when we challenge, when our beliefs are challenged, it doesn't feel right. So... 
of how you think and how you feel over time, if you keep thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking the same way over and over again, you condition your body to memorize that state as well as the conscious mind. It becomes a subconscious program. So a belief then is an unconscious state of being. People don't even know the beliefs they have about money, about God, about relationships, about women, about men, about money. They don't even have, they don't even know that they're thinking that way because it's a subconscious program because it's become automatic. So then, if you string beliefs together, a belief, a belief, a belief, you create what's called perceptions. And perceptions have everything to do with the behaviors that we demonstrate, the things that we create, the relationships that we have, and, and uh, how we live our life. So in order to change a belief or a perception, you have to change your state of being. Now, how can a person move into a state of religious ecstasy and drink strychnine and have no biological effects? Or the mother whose child is caught underneath the car all of a sudden, lift that child from under the car. She doesn't say, geez, I haven't worked out in the last two weeks. I don't know. I'm probably eating too many carbohydrates. I don't think I... The, she makes a decision. Where's my protein bar? Yeah. That's right, yeah, exactly. Right? That was me. <laughs> she gets beyond her body. She gets beyond her connection to her associations, her identity, and her environment, and she transcends time. She makes a decision with such firm intention that the amplitude of that decision carries a level of energy that's greater than the hardwired programs in her brain and the emotional addictions in her body, and in that moment, her body is responding to her mind. In other words, the energy is the epiphenomenon of matter, and it's energy that lifts that car. So when most people decide to change, they're sitting on the couch with the remote control, they have the smartphone on one side, they have the computer on the other side, the bag of potato chips, and they say, well, I think I'm going to change tomorrow. Well, what kind of signal is the body getting? You're, all of your cells are spying on your brain. The body says, relax. She's lying to herself. He's lying to himself today because the body is not coming out of its resting state. So we're not getting greater than our body when we have to change. So then when we decide with a firm intention, that firm intention with a level of energy, the choice that we make becomes the experience, and it's the inner experience that begins to rewrite our past, and in that moment, our body's getting a taste of the future. Now, when we've seen people heal themselves, it wasn't chemistry that was healing chemistry. It wasn't matter that was healing matter. As a matter of fact, in our research, we found that you can't use your brain to change your brain. You can't use your <laughs> ego to change your ego. You can't use the program to change the program. You have to become consciousness, and you have to become an elevated energy. And when you marry that level of energy with an intention and you can emotionally embrace it and you can begin to give your body a sampling, a taste of the future, that's the moment you're signaling new genes in new ways. And if you're able to do that every single day, that's the same conditioning process. But you're not relying on something outside of you to do it. You, you're you're right. creating it yourself. I have a friend. Her name is Jacqueline Ripstein. She's a fabulous artist. She created Invisible Art. And when you open her book, The uh, Art of Healing Art, the first quote in there says, um, it's, 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 it's brilliant. People who believe in the in invisible, um, or it says, if you believe in the invisible and nothing is impossible. And I, it took me a while to think about that. But, you know, we have demonstrations in our lives, uh, Joe, of everything you're saying. We really do. For those of you listening, I know you can point to times where you've done something so out of what you thought you could do. But on the other hand, you know, I can point to a time. It's funny, you're talking. And I pointed to a very important table tennis match I lost back in 1974. Great year. Great year. 
I started playing a table tennis match, and I didn't know that this was this woman I was playing was on the Olymp- on the team. She was on the team. She was on the U.S. team. I didn't know that. Uh, I was just playing. I was having fun. I was, you know, felt really good. And I'm playing. I beat her the first game, and I'm playing. It was two out of three. I'm playing a game. My coach says to me, <laughs> "Right? Can you hear the coach? Your coach pulls me over during the break. He said, "Okay, just don't make any mistakes." And I said, "What?" He says, yeah, you know who you're playing, right? I said, no. He says, oh, you're playing the number one scene on the U.S. team, and you just beat her. Holy, oh, my, really, dude? I didn't even understand what that meant to me, but you do, Hmm. right? This happens to us all the time. You know, we start our our workshops with the same exact statement. You already know how to do this. Everybody in this audience has done something amazing and done something great where you've impressed yourself to the point that you have a level of humility and greatness that you feel about yourself. Now, what we're asking people to do is to make it a skill. And when, you, when, when you've done something really great in your life, think about all the things that allowed you to do it. You got committed. You saw yeah. a vision. You revisited that vision every day. You got inspired. You got emotional. You got your behavior to match your intentions. You were uncompromising. You were emphatic. You, felt, you've, you may have fallen from grace a few times, but you self-corrected. You did all the things that got you to that end. Now, think of a time in your life where you said you were going to do something and you didn't. Wow. What would happen? You got emotional. You got too busy. There was time in the way. There were people in the way. You know, you didn't believe in that vision. You never revisited it every day. You couldn't come out of your resting state. You returned back to the same self. Now, if you remind people enough times of what their vision is, and we've measured enough birth to know that this is possible, they will do the uncommon. And when we measured their brains, when people were embracing a future, the amount of amplitude that was energy-wise in their brain, you would never find in a clinical setting. Not once, not twice, many, many times. Mm. And I said to the neuroscientist that was helping me with the research, how do you explain that? He said, they cannot voluntarily do that. That's happening to them. Now, what does that mean? It means that the inner experience that they're having is greater than any past experience. And in that moment, their past is literally being washed away and their body is literally in the process of change. Now, why is that important? Because when you're relaxed and you're playing table tennis and nothing's at stake and you're in the flow, your body and mind are working together. The moment something becomes at stake and you begin to think, am I going to succeed? Am I going to fail? You get in your own way. And the research that we've done shows you are the best you are at your most peak level when you forget about yourself, when you Perfect. get beyond yourself. What a great way to end this part of our conversation. I love that. Uh, it, there's no question. I mean, crushed her is not even what, what, what I, how to describe what they said happened. And then I can't, fell apart. Yeah. I couldn't serve. Hmm. I, cu- I mean, just one comment. So... Here's what I'd like to, 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 to say to everyone. If you don't have a copy of this book, please, um, you can go to Amazon to get it, the placebo effect. And, you know, the bottom line is uh, the placebo effect is what's in the book. Part of what I want to say to you guys that are listening to the show, when you think about this and you think about the fact that you, not me, not the doctor, not whoever you think, but you, you are the placebo lives change that's what this, that's why i love this book hmm. it doesn't matter where we are in life right absolutely i mean the truth is is that 
once you put your faith belief into yourself instead of something outside of yourself, you take responsibility, and that's when the magic starts to happen. You see someone dance the salsa well, you'll dance the salsa better. You see someone lead with compassion in your life, you'll lead with compassion better. You see someone stand up and talk about how they heal themselves of cancer, you'll accept, believe, and surrender that it's possible for you. I love it. Dr. Joe Dispenza, everybody, you are the placebo.com, or you can go to drjoedispenza.com. Please, classes on there, uh, so many tools for you on there. If you haven't read any of his other books, please go ahead and do that. But this book is available now on pre-order if you go to Amazon or any other place you want to go uh, to, to order it. Uh, and remember that when you do order it, you will get a bunch of really free uh, complimentary tools and uh, that come with it. Quick last question, personal message. Sure. Well, personal message is take time out of your busy life, even if it's just for five minutes, and remember a future instead of a past. I love you, Dr. Joe. I love you so much. You have uh, helped so many people. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. Anxiety is in many ways a learned behavior, which is rooted in our childhood. During our early years, when we are the most dependent on others, negative feedback, judgment, or ridicule infiltrate our subconscious mind and leave us wondering whether we are really safe, lovable, or good enough. In response, a part of our mind develops protective strategies to keep us from getting hurt. Let's imagine that the anxiety you've been battling with stems from the part that has assumed the job of keeping you safe. Doesn't it then make sense that your anxiety makes you expect the worst, so that you are prepared, keeps you on your toes to avoid failure, or shames and belittles you before someone else can do this to you? When you consider the source of your anxiety as a vulnerable child that just tries to keep you safe, you no longer feel that you're the victim of your own mind but instead are more easily able to take on the role of the caring, reassuring adult. Psychic World, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, with John G. Sutton, featuring his special guest, Countess Torella. One of Britain's most respected psychic mediums, John is an internationally published author, poet, and professional clairvoyant. His best-selling books include Psychic Pets, featured with John on the Walt Disney Channel, Animal Planet. Currently, John is the feature editor of the monthly Psychic World, which is the UK's Journal of Spiritualism. He has over 30 years of experience working in the field of paranormal studies. Countess Sterella has an incredible ability to visualize your future in a positive, passionate way. This show offers all listeners the chance to call in and speak directly to John or the amazing Countess Torella. You can ask your personal questions about love, career, money, relationships, or whatever is troubling you in this often difficult life. What dreams may come? Join John G. Sutton and Countess Torella to discover your answer. See www.psychicworld.net. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. Negative self-talk plays a major role in how we create fear and anxiety. You're probably familiar with that worried, insecure, or critical voice that rises from somewhere deep inside, often at the most inopportune moments. You don't seem to choose the limiting, anxiety-triggering, or self-sabotaging thoughts, nor do you seem to be in control of them. Over the years, I've found that rather than ignoring or suppressing these negative thoughts, what works best is to redirect the mind with at least three counterbalancing arguments that shed light on the opposite, positive points of view. For example, 
If your negative thought was something bad will happen, counterbalances could be right now I'm okay. There have been many times I was worried and everything turned out well. I have the strengths and abilities to handle anything that comes my way. Positive counterbalancing is training your mind to search for and find uplifting and empowering perspectives for any given situation.